Look, you have a show tonight, don't you? Yes, I do. You're telling me there's too much traffic to land right now. Oh. What do you want me to do? No problem. You can let me out anywhere along here. What a feeling, what an accomplishment this is on your part. What you just went through, going out, dealing with natural obstacles of life, difficult people, arranging, planning, annoying friends, many of whom you're sitting with right now, who, for some reason, required unnecessarily complicated back and forth communicating about who's going, when do we leave, and how do we get there? Why don't you pick me up? Why don't I pick you up? It's on the way. It's the opposite direction. My car, your car, one car, two cars. When are we going to eat? Did you eat? I didn't eat. Are you going to eat? I'm starving. I'm stuffed. I've been eating Jolly Rancher all day. I need something solid. What about the tickets? Who's got the tickets? Do you have the tickets? How many times do you hear the word tickets today? Don't forget the tickets. You have the tickets? Yeah, I got the tickets. Did you get their tickets? I didn't get tickets for them. They got to get their own tickets. They didn't pay me from the last time I got them tickets. Why are your friends so annoying? The people you have chosen to be with in life. It makes no sense. You'd get rid of all of them in a second, if it wasn't even a bigger pain in the ass to find new people, learn about their annoying problems that they never do anything about. Change the names and numbers in your phone. Delete the old contacts. Ah, the hell with it. I'll write it out with these idiots. It's the same meals, holidays, and movies anyway. What's the difference who I'm with? Just want to be out. This is out. People talk about going out. We should go out. Let's go out. We never go out. Well, this is it. Now, the good thing about being out is you don't have to be out for long. Just long enough to get the next feeling, which you're all going to get. And that feeling is, I got to be getting back. After all the work you put into getting your ass where it is right now, you're only halfway through this nightmare at this point. Wherever you are really anywhere in life, at some point, you got to get the hell out of there. You're at work, you want to get home. You're home, I'm working all week, I got to get out. You're out, it's late, I got to get back. I got to get up, I got to get to the airport. When are we getting on the plane? Plane takes off. When's the plane going to land? Plane lands. Why don't they open the door so we can get out? Nobody wants to be anywhere. Nobody likes anything. We're cranky. We're irritable. And we're dealing with it by constantly changing locations. And so we come up with things like this, what we're doing right now. This is a made-up, bogus, hyped-up, not-necessary special event. That's what this is. That a lot of people work very hard to put together so that we could all just kill some time. That's why I'm here. I had nothing to do either, by the way. I can tell you that. You know me. You and I, come on, you and I know each other on a certain level, electronic though it may be, for many, many years. 
at this point, we're going through life together, beautiful thing. You know what I've done. You know what I've made. You know how I live. You know for a fact. I could be anywhere in the world right now. <laughs> now you be honest. If you were me, would you be up here hacking out another one of these? Maybe, or maybe not. Nonetheless, I am thrilled to be here. I love it here. This could be my favorite spot in the entire world, right here, right now. Could be. Thank you, sweetheart. I love you, too. This is, in fact, my favorite type of intimate relationship. I love you. You love me and we will never meet. <laughs> it's all things we do to convince ourselves our lives don't suck. That's another thing this is. You'll be walking around tomorrow. My life doesn't suck. I saw a comedian at a TV show in the 90s last night at the Beacon Theater on Broadway in New York City. <laughs> Even though your life does pretty much suck. And I know that because I know that everyone's life sucks. Your life sucks. My life sucks too. Perhaps not quite as much. <laughs> but still in the vast suckness of human life. Everyone's life sucks. It's okay. Never feel bad that your life sucks. The greatest lesson you can learn in life, sucks and great are pretty close. <laughs> They're not that different. We live here in New York. Over here, I'm so sick of hearing about great restaurants. Joey, we went to a great restaurant last night. It was great. You would love it. He would love it. Wouldn't he love it? You would love it. You. You know how your friends single you out? You. Wouldn't he? He would love that place. Did you like it? I didn't care for it myself. But you. I don't like the great restaurants. I don't like great anything. I'm looking for not bad. How's that food over there? It's not bad. That sounds great. Let's go over there and get this over with. You want to hear the specials? No. If they're so special, put them on the menu. I'm not interested in food that's auditioning to get on the team. I don't know what the hell you're talking about anyway. We're going to pan sear it. We're going to herb crust it. We're going to drizzle it with something that's a reduction of something else. Stop drizzling. We can't take the drizzling anymore. It's too much drizzling. Maybe if you didn't reduce it so much, you wouldn't have to drizzle it. Meal takes two and a half hours. Your ass is hurting by the end of it. It's not half as good as a bowl of Lucky Charms and Pepsi anyway. <laughs> Check always comes in that book, the little story of the bill. Yeah, here's the story. Once upon a time, you got ripped. That's the story. You're on the street afterwards with your friends. I didn't, I didn't think that was that, was that great. Everyone says great. Yeah, I don't think it was that great. What did you think? It sucked, right? That place sucks. <laughs> a lot of great places just suck. Then you go to a baseball game. You have a hot dog. The hot dog is cold. The bun is not toasted. The vendor is an ex-con in a work release program. You love that hot dog every time. Does it, does it suck? Yes. Is it great? Yes. That's how close they are. Sucks and great are the only two ratings people even give to anything anymore. Hey, let's go see that new movie. I heard it's great. Really? I heard it sucked. How could it suck? It's supposed to be great. I heard the beginning is great, and then after that, it sucks. Oh, that sucks. I know. It could have been great. I say to you, the sucks are great are the exact same thing. You have an ice cream cone. You're walking down the street. The ice cream falls off the top of the cone, hits the pavement, sucks. What do you say? Great. <laughs> Food's a good subject. Let's talk a little bit more about this. Because we were in Vegas a couple months ago, and there everybody goes, Jerry, you got to go to the buffet. They got the buffet. Oh, come on, you can get whatever you want at the buffet. What is the idea of the buffet? Well, things are bad. How could we make it worse? 
why don't we put people that are already struggling with portion control <laughs> into some kind of debauched Caligula food orgy of unlimited human consumption. <laughs> Let's make the entrance a chocolate syrup water park slide. The buffet is like taking your dog to Petco and letting your dog do the shopping. You give him your wallet in the parking lot and go, why don't you go in and get whatever you think is the right amount of dog food for you. Use your dog judgment. I'm gonna wait in the car. Leave the window open a crack so I can breathe. People do not do well in an unsupervised eating environment. <laughs> Nobody would walk into a restaurant and say to the waiter, I'll have a yoga parfait, spare rib, meat pie, crab leg, four cookies, and an egg white omelet. <laughs> People are building death row last meal wish lists on these plates. It's like a perfect working model of all their emotional problems and personal difficulties. They just walk around, they just kind of hold it out. This is what I'm dealing with. It's a salad with a scoop of ice cream on it. I've got some unresolved issues I'm trying to work out here at the buffet. Start accosting strangers. Excuse me, where did you get that? What is that? I didn't even see that. What is that? Is that a caramelized chicken leg? I gotta try that. Give me yours. You know where they are. You can get more. Come on! Let's, please, please, please stay with the group as much as you can. We're going to be going through a lot of exhibits. I don't want any stragglers. But when I was a kid, the biggest food thing that happened to me, when they invented the Pop-Tart, the back of my head blew right off. We couldn't comprehend the Pop-Tart. It was too advanced. We saw it in the supermarket. It was like an alien spaceship. We were just chimps in the dirt playing with sticks, just <laughs> grunting, pointing. Pop Tart is here. You got to think back to when the Pop Tart came out. It was the 60s. We had toast. We had orange juice frozen decades in advance. You had to hack away at it with a knife. It was like a murder to get a couple of drops of liquidity in the morning. We had shredded wheat. It was like wrapping your lips around a wood chipper. You'd have breakfast. You had to take two days off for the scars to heal so you could speak. My mother would make creamy wheat. She didn't understand the recipe. Mom, the amount of water in this dish is critical. You're making it too thick. I can't even move my little kid's spoon in the bowl. I'm seven, I feel like I'm rowing in the hull of a Greek slave ship. That was breakfast. And in the midst of that dark and hopeless moment, the Kellogg's Pop-Tart suddenly appeared out of Battle Creek, Michigan, which, as you serial fans know, is the corporate headquarters of Kellogg's in a town I have always wanted to visit. Because it seems like a serial Silicon Valley of breakfast super scientists conceiving of a frosted, fruit-filled, heatable rectangles in the same shape as the box it comes in. And with the same nutrition as the box it comes in, too. That was the hard part. I don't know how long it took them to invent the Pop-Tart, but they must have come out of that lab like Moses with the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> the Pop-Tart is here! Two in the pocket! Two slots in a toaster! Let's see you screw this up! Why two? One's not enough. Three's too many. And they can't go stale because they were never fresh. <laughs> what else is annoying in the world besides everything? 
What about your device dictatorship that you live under, cowering in fear from your phone? Oh, my phone, it's my phone. I can't find my phone. Just, oh, here it is, I got it, it's here. It's here, my phone is here. I didn't, I moved it from this pocket to this pocket. I didn't know where it was for a second. I'm okay, that was really close. You are so hypnophonified at this point. You hand your phone to somebody to show them something. After two seconds, you go, all right, can you give me back, give it back. You saw it, that, that's it, give it back. I am completely off the grid right now. When that battery gets low, you feel like your whole body's running out of power, don't you? I just, I, I feel tired when the phone battery gets down to like 10 or five, I can't even walk. You guys go ahead without me. I got to get to a charger. <laughs> a call comes in. Listen, I don't know how much time I have left out here. I wish I could take back some of the things I've said. If I go dead on the street, tell everyone I know. I'll talk to them tomorrow. Well, I gotta stay in touch with people, Jerry. That's why the phone's so important to me. People are pretty important, you know. Really, they don't seem very important, the way you scroll through their names on your contact list like a gay French king. <laughs> Who pleases me today? Who shall I favor? Who shall I delete? We are not separating from the phone. It's a part of us now. Who are you with no phone? What access to information do you have? What you can remember? <laughs> what are you going to do without your pictures? Are you going to describe what you saw? <laughs> that doesn't work for us. We don't want to talk to anybody that doesn't have a phone. That's why it's called an iPhone. It's half myself, half phone. That's a complete individual. I don't even know what the purpose of people is anymore. I think the only reason people still exist is phones need pockets to ride around in. I used to think Uber was on my phone so I could get around. Then I started thinking maybe they put Uber on the phone because that makes me take the phone because the phone is using me to get around. Who's really the Uber in this big prostitution rent? I'm the little bitch carrying the phone. <laughs> the cars are the hose picking up strangers off the street all night. And the phone's the big pimp of the whole thing telling the drivers, you just get who I tell you to get. I'll handle the money. <laughs> we call it a phone. We don't even use it as a phone. Nobody's talking on the phone. Once they gave you the option, you could talk, you could type. Talking ended that day. It's over. <laughs> Talking is obsolete. It's antiquated. I feel like a blacksmith up here sometimes, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I could text you this whole thing. We can get the hell out of here right now. <laughs> Why would I want to get information from a face when I could get it from a nice, clean screen? <laughs> Don't you feel uncomfortable now? Faces come up to you? Well, I'll tell you what I think that way out of the their lips and their teeth and their gums and their... There's a misshaving spot, there's a piece of crust, some goo, you see a little lunch remnant in their teeth. Just send me an email about this, would you? I can't do it anymore. Your face is the worst news I've had all day. We want to text, text, just text. We like that word, don't we? Text. It's fun to say, it's got that Short, tight, got the X in there, a little bite to it. Text it! Text, don't, I don't, I don't know where it is. Don't tell me, text it, don't tell me. <laughs> remember when we first got texts? Not really, can't really remember that. <laughs> I, I can't either. I mean, I know that we have it. I know we didn't used to have it. I don't know how we got it, I don't remember. Did they tell us we were getting it? Was, was there an announcement that we're getting it? There was no commercial. I don't remember a commercial. Want some human contact, but kind of had it up to here with people. Try tags. 
need to get someone some information but don't want to hear their stupid voice responding to it? You need to be on text. We like it. It's fast. It's efficient. Not fast enough, apparently, for some people. Now, instead of OK, a lot of people text me just the K, leaving the O off. What? What micro fraction of a second did you save? You think you're efficient? What does that add up to like two free minutes at the end of your day that you can watch a YouTube video of skateboarders banging their nuts off a railing? <laughs> Somebody texted me TY the other day instead of thank you. I'd like to bang your nuts off a railing, TY. <laughs> That's not a thank you. We're so anxious to get the next text, they give you those three little ghosty dots to tell you it's coming. Oh, we're cooking up a good one for you. Wait till you see this. You are not going to believe what this guy is about to say. I can't show it to you yet. We're still working on it in the text machine, but it's going to be a beauty. You can see the pistons pumping. Sometimes we get the ghosty dots and then no text. What happened there? I want to know what that was. Is that like somebody coming up to you and going, uh, never mind. The phones keep getting smarter. Why don't we? <laughs> Why are people on voicemail still telling me to wait for the beat? It's the 21st goddamn century. I think we're all up to speed on the beat. The Maasai tribesmen of the African plain know about the beat. They don't leave a message till they hear, Mamale, 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 beep. Why are people still telling me to leave my name and number? on voicemail. Are these necessary instructions for anyone? Anyone getting messages like, this is a woman, goodbye. <laughs> or, he's dead, call me back. Who was that? <laughs> what about the uh, camera in the phone? I always wonder if they, before they do those kinds of things, do they stand around and go, hey, are you sure this is a good idea? You don't think this one feature all by itself could result in so many pictures, videos, posting, comments, and clapbacks that the entire life force of the human race just drains out like a puddle of piss by the side of the road. You don't think that could happen from this one thing? No. Nor do I think every restaurant dinner will end with a picture bully going, OK, everyone, picture. Come on. We got to have a picture. Why? We didn't have a good time. I don't want to remember this. And let's make sure we get the least phone fluid person in the area to take the picture. Someone old, nervous, clumsy, confused, or dim-witted. Someone that can't hold things, see things, aim things, press things. Someone who, the second they're handed the phone, it slips off camera mode and they can't get it back. I don't know. Does anyone... I don't know. Does anyone know how to... Let's get that person so we can be standing here even longer with fake frozen smiles and our arm around somebody you would never touch in any other social situation. We're picture addicted. There's no way to stop it. Sometimes I want to go back to the flip phone. One of those ones I see on TV, they have these phones for old people with the, with the giant buttons like floor tiles. You ever see that commercial? <laughs> these old people phones, two buttons. Your kid, ambulance. That's it. <laughs> Forget the numbers. You don't need the numbers. Why don't we update some of these terms that we use in the tech world, like email? Why is the word mail even in? email. Is there any similarity between email and whatever the hell is going on in the postal service? <laughs> One of them operates on a digital fiber optic hyperspeed network. The other is this dazed and confused distant branch of the Cub Scouts out there just <laughs> bumbling around the streets in embarrassing shorts and jackets with meaningless patches and victory medals. driving four miles an hour, 20 feet at a time, on the wrong side of a mentally handicapped Jeep. 
They always have this emotional financial meltdown every three and a half years that their business model from 1630 isn't working anymore. <laughs> how are we going to catch up? I cannot understand how a 21st century information system based on licking, walking, and a random number of pennies is struggling to compete. They always push the Postmaster General out on TV to explain their difficulties. He's all freaked out, rings under his eyes, no shave, pulling all-nighters. We can't keep it up much longer! Looks like we're gonna have to go up another penny on the steps! We're all sitting home. Dude, relax. We even know how much a stamp is anyway. 48, 53, 61, make it a buck. You're going to get there. If it ends up you got some money left over, buy yourself some pants and a real car. I would say to the Postal Service, if you actually wanted to be helpful to us, just open the letters, read them, and email us what it says. We'll give you a penny for each one you do, since that seems to be a lot of money in your world. But we are all human. Human. The human is a social species, as we can see. We tend to congregate, aggregate, and coagulate together. We live here in New York City. That makes no sense. If you take a plane out of New York and you look down at the city, what do you see around the city? Why, there's nothing but empty, open, beautiful, rolling land out there. Nobody's there! Let's pack in here tight! Uncomfortable, on top of each other, traffic, congestion. That's what we like. Human beings like to be close together because it makes it easier for us to judge and criticize <laughs> the personalities and activities of these humans. We like to give our thoughts, our comments, our opinions. Sometimes we run out of opinions. We make them up. It is what it is, is a very popular opinion statement. Nowadays, I'm sure some idiot said it to you today. You can't get through a day without somebody going, well, it is what it is. Why are you alive? <laughs> to just say air words that fill the room with meaningless sounds. I'd rather someone blew clear air into my face than said it is what it is to me one more time. Just, just come up to me and go, Because <laughs> I get the same data from that. People like to say those kinds of things. It is what it is. You see, if, if you repeat a word twice in a sentence, you can say that with a lot of confidence. Business is business. <laughs> rules are rules. <laughs> Deal's a deal. When we go in there, as long as we know what's what and who's who, whatever happens, happens, and it is what it is. We also like to say things to make ourselves feel better. Well, at least he died doing something that he loved. Yeah, well, okay. But he's not doing that anymore. Also not sure how in love with it he would still be after the very negative outcome. I'd like to die doing something that I hate, like cleaning a row of outdoor porta potties clutch my chest, drop the brush, keel over, and go, fantastic, at least I'm done with that. <laughs> and when one does have occasion to avail oneself of one of these portable plastic outdoor public toilets, that's a very different place than any other place you go in life. And you're a little different, too, when you come out. 
little shook up like a combat veteran or somebody that works at a trauma center. You're right? Yeah, no, I'm fine. I just need some time. I'll, I'll be all right. I'm going to take a walk. I need to think about my life. It just doesn't feel like it's going in the direction I wanted it to go. And by the way, never marry anyone that comes out of one of these bathrooms and goes, it's not that bad in there. Do not marry that person. You have a lot of fantastic qualities. You will eventually meet someone. Do not settle for an individual of this caliber. Because it's very easy to use these bathrooms. I always find the spring tension on the door to be a little lighter than I thought it was going to be. The door opens so easily, so welcoming. Come on in, we have something for you. A place to relieve yourself in exchange for a mental image picture that will cause you to twitch in your sleep every night for a year and a half. With PTSD. Portable toilet spring door. I don't even know how they're allowed to call it a bathroom. It's not a bath. You're, you're crapping in a hole with a box over it. It's beastly. It's hyena living. You want to do that thing your dog does after they go to the bathroom in the grass? You know that little move they make? You want to do that after you use one of these things. Why are you doing that? I'm trying to get the last few minutes out of my mind, that's all. You're such a great audience. This is really fun. Thank you so much for being here. Dude. All right. Let's change gears at this point in our lovely time together here. So those are things that I see in the outside world now. I want to take you into Jerry's little world and give you a little perspective on what's going on in my personal life. First, I will give you the basic numbers. Everybody likes the numbers. I'm 65 years old. I apologize for the shock value of that number. I am married for 19 years. I have three kids. My oldest is my daughter. I have two younger boys. I love being in my 60s. It's my favorite decade of human life so far. When you're in your 60s, people ask you to do something. You just say no. No reason, no excuse, no explanation. I can't wait for my 70s. I don't even think I'll answer. I've seen those people. You just wave when you're in your 70s. Hey, you want to check out that flea market? I like this time. It's relaxing. I don't want to grow. I don't want to change. I don't want to improve in anything. I don't want to expand my interests, meet anyone, or learn anything I don't already know. I don't lie in restaurants anymore. How is everything? I don't like it here. Would you like to check? No, I intend to press charges. This is outrageous. I don't like to turn around. Like, if I'm walking down the street like this, Jerry, check this out. You got to see this. This move. I, I don't like doing this anymore. I just don't want to do it. You got to say this. I disagree. I don't feel old. I don't feel tired. I've just seen a lot of things. I'll see it on the way back when it's in front of me. How about that? Or I won't see it. Or I'll Google it. Or I'll just assume it's probably a lot like something else I've already seen. A lot of people around my age like to make a bucket list. I made a bucket list, and I turned the B to an F, and I was done with that, too. <laughs> I just want you to have that option. You can either check off all your items or change one letter at the top. You're in a lazy boy watching a ball game. <laughs> I got married late in life. I was 45. I had some issues. I was enjoying those issues quite a bit, as I recall. When I was single, I had married friends. I would not visit their homes. I found their lives to be pathetic and depressing. Now that I'm married, I have no single friends. I find their lives to be meaningless and trivial experiences. In both cases, I believe I was correct. 
whichever side of marriage you're on, you don't get what the other people are doing. I can't hang out with single guys. If you don't have a wife, we have nothing to talk about. You have a girlfriend? That's wiffle ball, my friend. You're playing paintball war. I'm in Afghanistan with real loaded weapons. Married guys play with full clips and live rounds. This is not a drill. Single guy sitting on a merry-go-round blowing on a pinwheel. I'm driving a truck full of nitro down a dirt road. <laughs> you single guys here tonight looking at me, hey, Jerry, what if I want to be a married guy like you? What do I got to have if I want to be a married guy? I'll tell you what you got to have. You better have some answers, buddy. You better have some answers for that woman. Women have a lot of questions. Their brains are strong, active, and on high alert at all times. You're sleeping. She's researching. The female brain is cooking all the time. The female brain is one of the most competent and capable organs in all of the biological universe. Girl power. You're goddamn right. There's nothing the female brain cannot do. It will solve all problems of Earth and life. Having completed that, it will move on to the hypothetical. Theoretical situations that may or may not occur. The female needs to know how you might respond. If you faked your own death and I found out about it, what would you say then? What are we talking about now? Oh, I dreamt the whole thing last night, so don't deny it. <laughs> being married is like being on a game show and you're always in the lightning round. <laughs> I went out and bought a game show podium. I set it up in my living room. I wake up in the morning. I stand behind the podium, try and answer all my wife's questions and get on with the goddamn day. <laughs> I got a hand button clicker. I'll take movies I think we saw together for 200. <laughs> My wife, of course, is the returning champion from last week. I'll take details of a 10-minute conversation we had at 3 o'clock in the morning eight years ago. And I would like to bet everything I have on that, Alex. I'm going for the win right here. The husband, of course, never has a clue. I'm sorry, sir, you did not win the weekend sex package or the guilt-free televised sporting event. Thank you for playing. Are you even listening to me? And don't forget to take that big bag of garbage with you on your way out of the studio. One of the things I did not know before I got married, that I found out after I got married, is that every single day of my married life, I would be discussing the tone of my voice. <laughs> I was not aware, as a single man, that I so often speak in the incorrect tone. <laughs> I thought it was a marriage, apparently it's a musical. I walk around the house, one of those round black glee club things. How about that one? Am I getting closer? <laughs> it's your tone, my tone, yes, your tone. What's wrong with my tone? I don't like your tone. What do you want me to do? You better change your tone. Ever heard that? And women are correct, as they always are. The male tone changes over the course of the relationship. In the beginning, as the male pursues the female in the courting or flirting 
phase, we speak two octaves higher. We raise our voice two octaves. We talk like this in the beginning. Because Chinese food or Italian sounds great. Maybe we'll take a drive or go for a walk. My actual speaking voice that I am using right now to communicate with you is not welcome in my house. That's why I'm out here talking to you. Do you think that I talk like this in my house with this authority? The little edge in my voice, you think I speak like that in my house? I do not. <laughs> if I walked into my own house, which I paid for, by the way, not relevant, just wanted to mention it. If I said like this, if I said, I got to get something to eat. If I said it like that, first of all, any guy I know would say, eat whatever the hell you want. I don't care what you eat. Any woman will say, why are you yelling at me? I'm not yelling. I'm just hungry. And then the fight breaks out. And when the fight breaks out, now you're white water kayaking. You got a plastic helmet on. You're going under. You're popping up. Just keep paddling. That's when the woman's tone of voice changes. Yes, the women are included in this, too. All women, at some point in every argument with the man, like to imitate the voice of the man and the amazing organizational system that women have. They have all somehow worked out to do the same impression. You always say, oh, no, I can't do things like that. That's not what I said I was going to do. You said I might go. You say definitely go. Oh, I don't think, I don't think that I feel comfortable. You go, oh, wait, your friends. We go with your friends, not like my friends. My friends, you say, oh, I don't think that I could feel. Who the hell is this guy? Where did you see this guy? I never heard anyone talk like this. That's because you don't hear yourself. You should hear how you sound. You go, oh, I don't think, I don't. It reminds me of that Lollipop Guild guy. Just say, oh, just the... Lollipop, Gil. Because it's all about listening. Want some marriage advice? You better listen up! <laughs> A lot of wives complain that their husbands do not listen. I have never heard my wife say this. She may have. <laughs> I don't know. But... Here's what I do know. Ladies, your husband wants to make you happy. He's working on it! He's planning it. He's thinking about it every second. He cannot do it. He cannot do it. He does not know how to do it. Sometimes we do it, we don't know how we did it. We can't ask, what did I do? That looks like you don't know what you're doing. Can't do nothing. Woman says, I can't believe you're doing this. Man says, doing what? Woman starts crying. Man says, I didn't do anything. Woman says, exactly. So it's a bit of a chess game, isn't it? Except the board is flowing water. And all the chess pieces are made of smoke. And you're not alone. Don't ever forget that in marriage. Society, culture, technology even is helping you on your journey of marriage. In your car, for example, dual zone separate buttons on each side, climate control systems. <laughs> Gee, I wonder if it was a married person that thought of that. 
and thought, hey, this could potentially come in handy if you're with someone you're legally bound to for the rest of your life and you need them to shut the hell up. I'm freezing, I'm roasting, I'm boiling. It's blowing on me. When my wife says the air is on me, it is the equivalent of a normal person saying a bear is on me. That's the emergency level. And I respond at that level too. Oh my God, an evil breeze from a hostile van is attacking my mate and life partner who incidentally bore me three children without anesthesia, probably could have caught the babies herself if no one else was around, but cannot survive a waft of air three degrees off her optimum desired temperature. And I'm sure this stupid dual zone thing totally works, too, to keep different temperature air molecules from commingling inside a three-foot-wide closed compartment of an automobile. Because a lot of times I go to my coffee place in the morning, I like to get my coffee black on the left side of the cup, cream and sugar on the right. And that's no problem. Or you go to a fancy restaurants, sometimes they say, do you want still or sparkling water? I go, both, same glass, keep them separate. I do it in my car all the time. Here's a marriage moment I saw, for real. Husband in the car, wife on the sidewalk. He's picking her up after work. He did not bring the car to a full and complete stop. She had the door open. She was hopping on one foot, trying to get some kind of leverage on the armrest of... You can only get one foot in a moving car. One can only imagine the spirited exchange of ideas that took place in that car the rest of the drive home. But that's what marriage is. It's two people trying to stay together without saying the words, I hate you. <laughs> Which you're not allowed to say, okay? You can't say that. You can feel it. That's okay. Don't let it come out. Say something else, anything. Say, why is there never any scotch tape in this goddamn house? Scotch is I, tape is hate, house is you. But it's better. You don't say I could kill you right now. You say you're so funny sometimes. So Jerry, we would like to understand in a little more detail exactly how you pulled this off. Because we, we saw that you were just a single regular bachelor guy 45 years, and then all of a sudden, you just, you just turned on a dime. Marriage, wife, kids, family, how'd you navigate that? How'd you acclimate? How did you procreate and cohabitate, learning to accommodate so as not to aggravate? <laughs> it's a very good question, because a man in marriage will not survive if he does not have a strong brain-to-speech, guard-gate control, filtration system. <laughs> you don't just talk. In marriage, it's risky. <laughs> when I'm with my wife, who I love so dearly, and a thought enters my head, the first thing I think is, well, I know I can't say that. <laughs> Maybe I could say I heard someone else say it. And then she and I can share a warm moment together, agreeing on what an idiot that person must be. <laughs> and we get along great. So we have three kids, I told you that. We just came back from a lovely family vacation, or what I like to call, let's pay a lot of money to go fight in a hotel. <laughs> I don't know what the hell else we were doing. Let's fight on bikes. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you more. <laughs> Let's use profanity on a pristine white sand beach. Let's fight about how well-behaved those other children seem to be. 
I wonder if they were out on the hotel balcony last night with $12 mini bar cashews trying to hit the other guests in the head. So my daughter is uh, my oldest, she's 18, and she just uh, finished high school, went off to college. Big, that's kind of a big, you know, step in when you're a parent. Thank you. We did a great job, she finished high school. <laughs> so uh, a lot of people, you know, everybody's asking me, how do you feel, Jerry, you know, first kid, leaving the house, and I'm good, I'm okay, I'm okay. The way I look at it, it's like if you somehow found a baby alligator and you put it in your tub, and everybody would look, look at this. I found this, baby, I look, put your finger in his mouth, feel the teeth, little teeth, little bitey, bitey teeth. And then time passes, and you go, you know, I think we gotta get this thing the hell out of here. <laughs> this is, uh, this doesn't feel right anymore. This thing is, it's scary. This thing needs to be out there murdering other living things and eating them. That, that's what it's supposed to do. But I love being a dad. I was there at the birth. Obviously the most dramatic human life moment. Anytime two people walk into a room and three come out, a major event took place in that room. At the end of life, we go back basically into the same room. Same bed, same stuff around. And again, a different number of people coming out than went in. But that is the human being business. We gotta turn inventory, fresh product, keep the supply chain moving. We gotta get them in, we gotta get them out. That's the hospital's job. It's rest, cleanliness. If it doesn't work out, we help you move on. It says hospital when you walk in, but it could also be bed, bath, and beyond. Because the babies never stop coming. Babies don't care. You think babies care that the world's a mess? You have issues? We're coming in! We want in! They come in like racks of fresh donuts. More babies, more babies, more babies. Why are they here? They are here to replace us. That is their mission. Don't you see what's happening? They're pushing us out. Their first words are mama, dada, and bye-bye. <laughs> oh, we'll see who's wearing the diapers when this is all over. <laughs> That's what the babies are thinking. But again, the father struggling to keep pace. Moms that are here, we want to be what you want us to be. We can't do it! <laughs> we want to do it. The baby's born. I, I remember, I remember, it's just the most amazing thing. For the female, just these instincts just kick in. For the man, nothing kicks in. He's just the same guy standing there. It was years into my children's lives. I'd see them staring at me from across the room like they were going to come over and say, I'm sorry, is someone helping you? Mom, the horsey ride guy is here again. Do we need anything? <laughs> avoidance is the male domestic instinct. Golf, the ultimate avoidance activity. A game so nonsensically difficult, so pointless, so irrational, so time-consuming. The word golf could only possibly stand for get out, leave family. <laughs> and I have a lot of friends that play. They love it. Oh, they love it. Jerry, you would love it. It's a very challenging game. Yes, I am sure that it is. It's also challenging trying to throw a tic-tac 100 yards into a shoebox. In the fantasy mind of the golfing father, when he comes home, the family will come running out to hear the exciting stories of his golfing adventures. In reality, no one is even aware that he has left or returned from eight and a half hours of idiotic hacking through sand and weeds while driving drunk in a clown car through a fake park.
Nonetheless, the father remains proud, dressing in bizarre outfits around the house on the weekends. All fathers essentially dress in the clothing style of the last good year of their lives. Whatever a man was wearing around the time he got married, he freezes that moment in fashion history and rides it out to the end. You see fathers on the street, 05, 91, 83. Took the kids to the movies the other day. New announcement in the movie theater I hadn't seen before. Please pick up the garbage from around your seat after the movie. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll bring my orange jumpsuit and a wooden stick with a nail in it, too. Maybe I'll work my way down the highway after the credits. I'm not picking nothing up. I'm the one that threw it down. There's a deal in place between us and the movie theater people. The deal is, you're ripping us off. In exchange for that, when I'm done with something, I open my hand. Let it roll down eight rows. Not sticking my arm into that dark, scary hole. Trying to pry out three goobers that have been soda welded there since the Shawshank Redemption. What have they done for us? What, what, you give us a cup holder? Is that our luxury feature? How about an automatic popcorn shooter that fires one in every five seconds to complete this corpse-like experience? The cup holder, that is the object that defines our culture. We're not holding cups. We don't want to grip. Hands free. Give me a cowboy hat with a beer on each side and a feeding tube coming down. Give me a dog leash with an extra leash wound up in it. In case the dog pulls it, I hit the button, let the line out like he's a marlin. I go into a public restroom. I expect a motion detector on the toilet, sink, urinal. I'm doing nothing in here. Why is the sink never as aware of us as the toilet? You always have to go into a David Copperfield magic act to make that work. Who designed the bathroom stall with the under-display viewing window? So we can all see the lifeless, collapsed pant legs and tragic little shoe fronts that are just barely poking out from underneath the infinite belt lying helpless. How much more money is it to bring this wall down another foot? It's the cheapest wall in the world. It's a metal panel. They don't even make the panels meet up tight in the corners. Why can't they cinch it up? Sometimes you're walking by, you see a frightened, terrorized human eye. You ever see just a flash of eye white in space, just a pupil? Why are we doing this to people? I'm not a horse, I don't want to be in a stall. If it's a stall, why don't I hang my head over the front door? That's what the horses do. I'm sure my co-workers recognize my shoes. Let's let them see my face, too. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Yeah, this is why I had to run out of that big meeting. I had a little PowerPoint presentation of my own to do. Thank you, New York City. You've been the best. I love you guys. You made me. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming in to see our show. Hope you enjoyed it. Good night. There's a man who leads a life of danger. To everyone he meets, he stays a stranger. Whatever move he makes, another chance he takes. He won't live to see tomorrow Secret agent man Secret agent man They've given you a number They haven't taken away your name 
that you find A pretty face can hide an evil mind Oh, be careful what you say Or you give yourself away Odds are you won't live to see tomorrow right, 